My nephew is named Julian, and he's six years old, really cute and smart kid. Uh, about a year ago, our family went on a vacation together, and he was five at the time. And one of the days that we were on vacation, I had the, the joy of handling my two children and Julian and his older brother, Andrew, just kind of taking charge of them while the other adults were doing something somewhere else. And we had a, had a good day together. Uh, but it was Julian's first time really to test the boundaries of what he could get away with with Uncle Kyle. And so uh, he did something that he knew he shouldn't have done, and I called him out on it, and he looked at me and he said, Uncle Kyle, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> I stopped, took a second, and I said, you know what, Julian, you're right. I'm not usually the boss of you, but today I am. <laughs> and so I had to call him out for doing that. Well, the next time that we got together as a family, evidently he talked to his parents about this experience and he came up to me sheepishly and he said, Uncle Kyle, I have a lot of bosses. <laughs> They'd given him a talking to. So it's not only his parents are his bosses, but his grandparents and now even old Uncle Kyle is his boss. I want to ask you, do you ever feel like my nephew Julian sometimes? Do you feel powerless? Do you feel small or feel insignificant? In your life right now, what situation might make you feel that way? That you have no power over it, you feel insignificant, you feel like you're not in control, you're just not the boss of this part of your life. Today we're gonna pick up the story of Jesus late in his ministry as he's been going around doing his thing. He is teaching and he's been healing people and doing miracles and he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem and die on a cross and come back to life so that we all can be made right with God. And so he's in the midst of this and he's got a popular following and we kind of pick up that story where Jesus is in the midst of this teaching and miracles getting ready to go into the city of Jerusalem and, and he's gonna encounter some people in life that also feel very insignificant and out of place. Let's see what happens. From Mark's gospel, chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Now in 21st century America, we see children and we love them and we think highly of them and, and value them very much. But in Jesus' day, in the first century in the Middle East, children had no status they offered no honor to their family. They offered no economic gain to the family. And so they were seen as insignificant, much more so than they are seen in America today. And so the disciples see them coming to Jesus and they're like, Jesus doesn't have time for these nobodies, right? For these nobodies. They, they were gonna be the gatekeepers, the, the bouncers. Because again, children had no status. In the first century, a lot of times, Children were abused or they were neglected and, and that was okay. They just, they didn't have that status. In fact, lots of children would be abandoned at birth. They would just be left out in a field to die. And other unscrupulous people might grab them up and raise them to become gladiators to make money off of them to fight or raise them to become prostitutes, uh, raise them to, to grow up and become beggars and they would disfigure the children physically so that they would bring more pity to bring more money in, right? So children, no status, no power, not a good position to be in. And so the disciples say, Jesus doesn't have time for your children, go away. Let's see what Jesus says to that. 
When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Can we jump right back to that last verse? And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. So Jesus says, children are welcome. Jesus says, bring them to me. And, and he brings them and he hugs them and he places his hands on them and he blesses them. Because Jesus is going against the grain. He sees that they and their insignificance are important. And he loves them and he cares for them and he embraces them. And he sends a message to all who are watching, including his disciples, that all those that the society considers to be insignificant or not important, I think they are significant. I think they are important and I love them. But he takes it a step beyond that. He says, not only will I welcome them, right? But to enter into the kingdom of God, enter into the kingdom of heaven, you have to be like these little children, these insignificant folks, these without power, right? Without place in society. If you want to get into the kingdom of God, you have to be like these children. So if you're like me, the question is, well, what do we have to do to be like a child? Like what qualities is Jesus talking about? Right? What, what does it mean to be like a child? Because we probably all have different ideas about that, right? Because we know that children can sometimes be demanding. They can be short-tempered and stubborn and selfish and thankless. That's probably not what Jesus is talking about, not talking about those qualities. And by the way, adults can be all those things too as well, can't we? Probably not the inherent qualities that children can also be thankful and hopeful and modest and transparent, But I think the quality that Jesus is talking about, saying that if you want to get into the kingdom of God, if you want to get into the kingdom of heaven, that you need to be like a child. You need to be little, to feel insignificant, to be powerless, to be humble. I'm not talking about physical height here. I'm talking about what's inside of us. Jesus embraces people who are like that. Right? We, we, we learn these lessons, I think, from these, these words of Scripture. The disciples, right, who are going to be the gatekeepers, are to minister to the little ones and to adopt a, an attitude of littleness themselves, right, to, to adopt that, that heart of being a humble like a child. Right? God also works most powerfully in weakness, What did Jesus do to save the world? Was he a mighty king? Was he a mighty politician? Was he a mighty business person? No, he was a humble carpenter who gave his life on a cross. So we remember that God works most powerfully in our weakness. When we are appropriately little or poor in spirit, when we're humble in our hearts, right? That's what it means to be like a child, right? We are more open to receiving the reign of God because when we're powerful and popular and and resourceful, a lot of times we don't think that we need God, and so we're not open to receiving God as much as someone who is like a child. And finally, children are more open to receiving gifts than adults are, right? We want to earn our way in the world. We don't want a a handout, right? But what God does for us in offering us forgiveness and life to the full and life forever in the kingdom of heaven is a gift. It's not something that we earn. And we have to receive that gift humbly as a child. So Jesus goes against the grain. He embraces those in his culture who are seen as not important, powerless, 
small and little. But not only that, he says, because I love them, so should you. And he encourages his disciples to embrace them as well. And so as we consider ourselves followers of Jesus, who are the insignificant in our world today? The powerless, those on the fringe of society, without voice or without ability. And how do we see them and how do we reach out to them? As Pastor Lindsay powerfully prayed this morning, it's why racial reconciliation is to be the work of the church. It's why the church should work for justice in the world, that we reach out to those that the society considers not important to let them know that all of us, right, all of us come to the table broken and insignificant before Jesus and that we all need the grace and power of God, that Jesus has plans for everyone and that we can be thankful that God loves us all equally. Now, the question might be, well, does that mean that people who are successful or popular or powerful or resourceful can't have a relationship with Jesus? Absolutely not. Jesus loves everyone, right? And God calls all of us to be followers of Jesus. And those of us who have influence or resources or or fame or popularity or whatever it is, right, we are called to use those great gifts to serve God in the world and, and to be a blessing to others. I think the trick is at some point, all of us, have to admit that we're not God and we have to humble ourselves before God in order to receive salvation. And, and the more successful we are, the harder it is for us to think that we need God. And so I think that's what Jesus says is that we have to have a humble heart to approach God. At some point, we all have to admit that we are not gods, right? We're not God. We, we have to humble ourselves before God. God's God. We are not. So what's the point today? What's the takeaway? What's the big idea? I think this is what it is. Be thankful when you feel small because God works most powerfully in weakness. Be thankful when you feel insignificant. Be thankful when you feel powerless because God works most powerfully in weakness. Jesus saved the world, right? Not as a politician, not as a mighty king, but as a man who died on a cross and rose from the dead so that we can be forgiven, so that our guilt and shame can be replaced with joy and peace, so that we can live forever in the kingdom of heaven and we can have life to the full now. Right? That Jesus did that through weakness. So when you're weak, know that God is with you and will do powerful things through you when you humble yourself before God. And it also calls us to embrace those in our culture who are on the outside, who are powerless, right? And to say to them that you are important, that God loves you, that God has plans for you, right? This is not a message to hold people down or to keep them in their place, right? It's the contrary. It's to lift people up to say that all of us are equal before God and that God loves you and has a plan for you and wants to do great things through you in the world and that we are all equal together before our Almighty Father. So this is a challenging message, but I think it's a timely message. Be thankful when you feel small, for God works most powerfully in weakness. So today, I want to challenge you to an action step to be very literal today. Back to the scripture. Help a child. Help a child in our world, right? Even today, where children are valued more than they are than they were in the first century, it's still hard to be a child in in today's world. And so... 
I would invite you to literally take this scripture literally. Jesus welcomed children. How do we welcome children? There are opportunities for us to serve in our children's ministry, our student ministry here in our church, or opportunities to volunteer in schools or to those of you who teach school or administrators in school. Keep doing what you're doing. Right, I'm so glad you're getting raises this year because you deserve that, especially as a parent who had to homeschool during uh, the pandemic. You deserve that raise. Thank you for what you do for the children in our world. Be uh, in, your, in your community, in, in your family. How can you love and help children? Maybe it's praying for them. Maybe it's giving them resources. Maybe it's tutoring them. How do we help children in the world today? There's another way that I just want to invite you to think and pray about our international ministry that South Park Church works to, to support, like the number one thing that we do is, is working to help a school and a church in northern Haiti. Right? So Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, and if you're a child there, you, you're really one of the most insignificant people in all of the world because most of the people in Haiti, they don't have jobs, they're starving, uh, they don't have a government now. Their president's been assassinated and mostly armed gangs are the ones who are running things throughout the country. They're recovering from earthquakes and all kinds of disasters. And you talk about people who feel insignificant and left out, it's the people of Haiti. But we have this, this relationship over the past few years with a church there and a school there where we help children go to school and go to church and learn about Jesus. And they get food there and they get the, the word of God there and it, it's a powerful thing. And one of our church members, Melissa Hoffman, is now the new executive director for the group that we work with. It's, it's now labeled EWO. It used to be World of God, but now it's called EWO. EWO is a Haitian word for hero, and it says that the children of Haiti are heroes. And so I want to show you just a brief video for Melissa to introduce to you what her work and our work together do for the people of Haiti. Check this out. I'm sorry, it is uh, very noisy around because uh, it is uh, lunch time and also break time. And uh, for those uh, who have never had the opportunity to meet me, my name is Actionel Fleurisma. I am here at the ICB school in Bayonne, in Qatar. So this is the place uh, where I was born. So um, it is a great privilege for me to introduce myself to you. My name is Melissa Hoffman, and I'm the executive director of EWO, a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering students through the gift of education in Vianney. We are committed to making heroes in Haiti. Did you know that you can be a hero too? When you sponsor a student for $40 a month, not only are you providing for education for that student, you're also making sure that they get a hot meal every day, they have a uniform to wear at school, and they have access to the medical clinic if they should need it. 
Your $40 goes even further than that though. The cool thing is that money helps pay for school operations. It helps pay teacher salaries and administrators. It even puts fuel in the school bus that helps take some kids uh, back and forth to school. It really is amazing what $40 can do to help transform the life of a student in Haiti. We hope you'll join us and sponsor a student today. What's cool about our partnership is that in the midst of all the chaos of Haiti, we've helped to kind of create a bubble in the northern part of Haiti where there's hope where children continue to go to school, they get meals where they don't normally have meals and they get to learn and they get to have an education and they also go to church and they get to know the power and the, of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So this is really making a difference. Um, my family and I sponsor a child, his name is Ezekiel. We've got a, I've got a picture of him here. Uh, that's Luke and me a couple of years ago. Look how short Luke was back then. He's grown so much since then. But we got to meet Ezekiel when we went to Haiti a couple of years ago and uh, we've sponsored him for several years now. And we correspond with him. We, we write letters or he'll write us a letter and it's in Creole, but then it's translated in English and we can send each other emails. And uh, he's an amazing young man. He's a 10th grader now. And uh, he has five brothers and sisters. He walks 25 minutes to get to school and he walks 25 minutes back home from school. Uh, his mom is kind of the matriarch of the family. His father lives in Brazil. He's working in Brazil to send money to, back to the family in Haiti, which is great. But then Ezekiel also is growing up without his father around. And so I think that's got to be a challenging thing. Um, but I'm confident that he gets a warm meal every day. He gets an education. He wants to be an agronomist. I'm not quite sure I even understand what that is, <clears throat> but he has this awesome lofty goal uh, that he can achieve and he gets to learn the loving, saving grace of God. Um, and so today, uh, I just want to invite you to join me and my family uh, and 17 other families in our church who are sponsoring. We are sponsoring 18 children in, in, uh, in Haiti from our congregation. Uh, and for $40 a month, Right, you can, you can do all the things that we've talked about. Melissa's here uh, at a table out there, and she can introduce you to some of the children. You can see their pictures and, and meet them today. Our goal would be to get from 18 families to 30 families. We'd like to sponsor 30 families from our church by the time we leave uh, church today. Um, and, you know, really for us, $40 is one meal at Chick-fil-A, right? I can stand to skip a meal at Chick-fil-A, right? Those fries are great, but they add to pounds, right? <laughs> right, so one meal a month that we can sacrifice. It's not too much for my family to do. Um, and that's what it cost us to go to Chick-fil-A. But just like to ask you to consider do, to do that. As we think about who the most insignificant people are in our world today, I think these children of Haiti would be at the top of the list. Right? They live in this, this country that's chaotic. There's no government. Uh, what rules today is violence and guns. Uh, and yet in the midst of that, we've created a bubble of hope of education, of learning who Jesus is. Uh, and so you can, you can do that with Melissa today in person. If you're watching online, we've got a website that you can go to and, and check all that out on your own. Thank you guys for tuning in today. But, you know, I think for me and my family, what it boils down to is, you know, we see there's a lot of pain and brokenness in the world and there's just no way that my family of four can save the world. It's impossible. But we can help one boy in Haiti get an education and get fed and get fed the gospel of Jesus by sacrificing one meal out a month. For us, it makes a difference. It says we're, we're, we're scratching the surface, we're listening to Jesus saying that those that the world sees as insignificant and lost and forgotten are not, that they hear the message that God loves them 
and that there's a plan for them, that God has hope for them, and they can find great things in the gospel of Jesus. So again today, be thankful when you feel small, when you feel insignificant, and know that God is working in your life to do something powerful, that in weakness, God does his most best powerful work. And at the same time, consider helping a child, helping a child here in our community, helping a child at your school or, or wherever you are, or maybe helping a child in Bayonne, Haiti, that you can make all the difference in the world in the name of Jesus. Lots to be thankful for and great opportunities for us to help people in the name of Christ. Let's pray together. Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you uh, that you love us so much. That even when we feel not important, insignificant, Lord, left out, that you're with us and that you embraced us. And that you say to us that you love us and you have plans for our lives. That you love us so much that you died on a cross for us and came back to life, Lord, so that we could live a life that is full now and forever in the kingdom of heaven. And you also challenge us, God, to look around the world and, and to fight to help people who are on the outside, Lord. And that's why it's important for us to continue to fight for social justice in America where there's brokenness, to strive for racial reconciliation, God, to, to strive to help people, Lord, who are just considered outsiders and insignificant and powerless. And so today, God, we ask that you would show us in our own lives, how can we help children, the children in our families, the children in our church, the children in our communities, and even possibly, Lord, sponsoring a child in Haiti so that they will know that they're important and they're not forgotten, that they can find a place to have a physical meal, to get an education and to have hope to make their country a better place and, and to find the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that you're with them, that you love them and they, that you have plans for their lives, Lord. So God, thank you on this week in which we give thanks for all the many blessings that we have. Those of us in this church and in America have so much to be grateful for. We're grateful to God that you're with us even when we feel insignificant. And we're grateful because you give us the opportunity to help those who are left out, Lord, to find out that they are important to you. So God, give us wisdom. Help us to help a child in, in the ways that you call us to. And thank you, God, that even in our smallness, we are important to you. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.